Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Art of Product podcast. My name is Ben Orenstein, and I'm here today uh, with a guest host, which is my buddy Brennan Dunn. Hey, Brennan. Hey, how's it going, Ben? It's going super well, and I'm actually really excited to talk to you today. Me too. As you might guess, uh, I want to hear a bunch about Right Message. Uh, I imagine there's actually a quite a good overlap in the people that know you and the people that listen to this. But just in case, I figure it makes sense to maybe start off with just what Right Message is. Okay. So Right Message is a product that I officially broke ground on uh, this year. What it does is it lets you quickly and easily make uh, personalizations to your website based off of who somebody is, where they came from, what actions they've performed, uh, what you know about them in your, um, say, your email marketing app or whatnot. And um, that's where we're starting from. But we're also, if we have some big ambitions that we could probably uh, jump into later. But for right now, it's basically the idea is if you were an I, if, if you were trying to sell, like I know you're working on a Vim course, right? Uh, um, Ruby course, you, but sure. Yeah. Didn't you say, I thought you were doing something with the VI. That was or, the original plan, but now it's okay. a, a anyway, Rails course. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so Rails course, uh, you would describe it to me differently than you might to somebody who was pretty new to Rails or, you know, you would, you would change the way you pitch it. So the idea is, well, you know, you, you go into Facebook, you go into Netflix, you see personalized content because again, you expect that it, there's a backing web app that's changing stuff based off of data it has about you. So why can't we do the same for our normal like marketing websites or blogs or, you know, whatever else. Um, so the idea is the, the web browser doesn't care if it's a, web app that has a login and password or a blog. Um, so why not make it so we can dynamically and on the fly change things like the headlines, testimonials, and so on to speak more directly to the person viewing the site. Yeah. So it's like, like you said, it's like giving that logged in experience to just about anybody because you can cookie them and, and say, Hey, we know these things about this person. So let's change these elements. Right. So treating an opt-in event like an authentication event or a link click on a email that could include data about who the subscriber is, you know, bring that over to the site. That's another kind of like one click auth token, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what was the genesis of this? So back in 2013, I was using Infusionsoft and I was still running PlanScope at the time. I had a blog and I had the usual kind of uh, call to action about a five day email course thing I threw together. And I did that because I realized that I wasn't getting much luck when people were Googling uh, for content about like consulting, found an article of on pricing, read the article, and then I would pitch the SaaS or the product. And that didn't work at all because people were wanting pricing advice, not project management software. So I changed that to be a email course, which worked well. But then I started sending, like when I would write new content, and you see this a lot, I'd write new content, I'd send my entire list, the link to the article, they'd go to my site. But then people who were going to my site who were already had, had gone through that email course and were already on my list were seeing the same call to action. So I thought, well, why not just make it so like if they're on my list, show a trial banner thing or you know something trying to get people to use the software. And if they're not on my list, let's just keep it as a opt-in form like we've been doing. So that was the beginning of it. That's that's was like the like basic, you know, if subscriber, show this, otherwise show that. Um, so that's where it started. So you, you were just writing some JavaScript on the page to do this or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. exactly. Yeah. So sh sh like both things would be on the page. Both would be, I think, hidden on page load and then one gets toggled on. 
That was it. Uh, so I did that. And then I moved off Infusionsoft in 2014 to Drip. And they had this really, really nice API, this JavaScript API, where they also would make it so when, like, if I'm on, uh, if I get an email from Drip and I click on it, it includes a unique ID in that email or in the URL that allows me to basically create a link between that session and that subscriber record. So I started thinking, well, why can't I make it so I can take into account tags or any other data that I have about them? And then I started doing things like, because I, I, my main business is double your freelancing and we target uh, freelancers who could be designers, developers, marketers, writers, and so on. And I thought, well, why not just make it so if they have the tag uh, designer, I show testimonials from designers or I make the headline on a product page about design or something like that, how the product I'm selling can help with help a designer. So that's where that came from. And lo and behold, like sales started to go upwards as a result of, of doing that. And again, it makes sense. It's everyone knows why like niching works and having more relevant copy helps people think this is the product for me. And if you just have general, like this can help everyone, um, people are going to doubt or have questions about like, can this really help me if it, I mean, I used to get, for instance, I'd get people who were developers saying, or no designers, I should say, who would email me saying, I know you're a developer. A lot of your like writing is very developerish. Uh, can this actually help me? And I realized for every one person who emailed me about that, there's probably a lot who thought that and just closed the tab. So that's where that started. I started building this custom, uh, basically JavaScript library called Drip Pro Tools that would make that a little easier. And then I uh, launched a course last year on marketing automation for Drip. And a lot of the people, especially since they got bought by lead pages, a lot of the people who bought that course are not people like me. They can't go in and like you give them. I basically said like one bonus of the course is you get this JavaScript library and people would get that. And they're like, I uploaded it to WordPress's plugin thing and it's not working. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, gosh. so I uploaded it to WordPress's plugin installer thing and it's not working. What do I do? And I realized that there was probably a market to. Um, you know, kind of do like, for instance, imagine if the only way to run an A-B test was to write A-B test backend code, right? Um, so I thought, well, what if we could make an app that functionally performed a lot like Optimizely, where you could just go and visually click on an element, change its contents, change its CSS, remove it, do whatever, um, and then tie those changes, instead of doing like an A-B test, tie those changes to do they have this tag or were they referred by this site or did they come over originally with this UTM parameter or did they view this page or did they not view that page? Um, and that's, so we built starting in this year, early 2017, we started building this and um, yeah, we're now officially soft launched, I guess. <laughs> There's no way to sign up directly, but we've got, we're already doing extremely well um, comparatively to the way, I mean, Revenue now is 5x more than PlanScope ever was, and we're not even live. And PlanScope had like a three-year head start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you said on Twitter that MRR is already at like mid four figures. Now it's 25,000. Wow. After, <laughs> wow, Jesus. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we so, haven't even, <laughs> yeah. And I these mean, are all like uh, uh, like concierge, concierge onboarded people that you're doing manually? or? Uh, well, I should clarify that. More than half of that MRR is one client who basically was like, I'll pay you this 
you just set it up for me. Send me a once a month email about how it's going. So it's kind of like software as a service as a service for that person. And I'm thinking that there's probably a big market for people who are running like, I mean, this guy spends six million a month on Facebook ads. Oh my God. Doesn't really like by this guy, I mean this company of 150 people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of, uh, in in cases like that, I mean, there's, I think there's a big market uh, for going after the premium, the ones who, you know, uh, we'll pay th- a few thousand a month potentially uh, for for a service like this um, who have decent lead volume and decent customer lifetime value. And the idea of being able to say, like, let, we'll just go in and we will make it so you've got high volume. The, the volume that's seeing your site will see a more relevant website specific to them. And, um, yeah, and go from there. So. Yeah. yeah. It's, so are you doing things like paying attention to what Facebook ad campaign is hitting the page and yeah, yeah, personalizing based yeah. on that? So you can do, I mean, you can go really down the rabbit hole and be able to say things like, uh, say you have an ad for your Ruby course. Um, you could say you're running it on Facebook. You could say, I'm going to have two ads. One of them is going to target men, one woman. And then in the URL, you could signify which one came because Facebook's not going to give you that demographic data, but you can run an ad focused on a very niche demographic and then include in the URL parameters that sort of stuff. So you could include like uh, G equals F or something, right? If they're a woman or something. And then practically you could make all the testimonials from other women or something like that, right? Which, you know, it's that kind of stuff. I mean, really, you could do whatever you want, but um, that's kind of the example I've been throwing around. You could do the same for age ranges, um, where people are from or you know anything like that i'm a developer in at heart and so uh-huh. I, one of my skill my uh, curses i guess is thinking of objections to things yeah sure yeah uh, so so one of the, the things i thought of was i was imagining a situation where i've done heavy personalization of my market my marketing site i'm imagining it might be hard to keep all those in your head or to manage all those variations you have like okay now we want to update the css for this hero section what does the hero section look like? Well, it looks like this, but split 11 ways depending on certain things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could go heavier light. Like, so for instance, we have, um, if you don't want to tie to, like, so for instance, let's say you want to change a headline. There's two ways you could do that. Or well, more than two ways. But one of them could be you just click the headline and set the inner HTML to be something new through right message. So you could say, like hello Ruby people to hello, I don't know Ruby people from Florida, sure. <laughs> you know something yep. like that, right? Yep. Um, but we also have for cases like that a find and replace functionality. So you could say, you know, across all of the paragraph tags, across the selector or this set of selectors, any instance of this word or this phrase, we want to change that. So that way, it's decoupled a little less to the actual markup or structure of the page or something like that. Um, so that's one use case, but you could go, yeah, I mean, you could say, you know, um, you know, go ahead and, and, uh, you know, change this very, uh, specific selector, the CSS and the, you know, intercop content to this, but we're actually working on a, um, kind of like a checksum approach where when you set up the personalization, it will look at the, basically it'll take the outer HTML and come up with a hash on that. And then if that if the server starts sending new content up that's different, we'll proactively like alert you. Or you could either say turn it off automatically um, if that happens, or just say like 
yo, something might have changed. Uh, you might want to check to make sure it still looks good. Because all we're really doing is we're saying, given a selector, make these changes to it if these conditions are true, right? So, um, yeah, so we're, we thought about that because, again, we're just, we're not, we're, everything's client side. Just, you know, you drop it on JavaScript, we do everything, um, you know, on DOM load, basically. So um, if the server sends new markup up, then, yeah, you know, it, yeah, it won't break. If, if there's no longer an H1 on the page, it just won't do anything gotcha, gotcha. You know, for that. But yeah. So what's the biggest bangs for the buck in terms of personalization? Is it headlines and button copy like it tends to be in A-B tests or is it different things? No, so I've, I've actually identified a few different things, both from because I've been doing this for myself a few years. I've been doing this for some clients for a while, too. Um, big things are uh, first off would be if you're doing any sort of content marketing and you've got a blog, you typically see like, you know, uh, call to actions for joining my list or some lead magnet of some sort. Immediate thing would be if they're on your list, you're just wasting you're wasting real estate and you're you're just it's just use, like, why are you showing? I mean, I'm on a lot of people's lists where I click through to an email they send me and then this giant welcome mat comes down and I'm like, I'm already on your. Why are you showing me this? And then the eximodal comes up and then, you know, the sliding thing. And, and it's just like you can use this to eliminate that stuff from happening for somebody who is known. Um, but when you've got like a funnel based thing, so say you've got. Uh, you know, anonymous, and then you've got subscriber, and then you have people who have joined an email course, and then people have gone through that email course but did not buy your product, um, or people have bought your product but have not upgraded, like to the premium option or something like that. You could you could basically set up this this because we we look at you know we we base we act off two things: what we know about you demographically and behaviorally, but also where you are in the overall funnel. So if you are uh, gone through the email course that leads to the Ruby course, but have not bought the Ruby course, it would make sense to promote the Ruby course directly. Whereas anonymous traffic promoting the Ruby course is probably not going to work very well. You know, so you're able to do those sort of funnel based conditionals. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing would be what we're calling branded referrals. So let's say that like, um, God, it's been so long since I've been in the Ruby world to even know who's like, who's, who's a thing. Uh, say like, uh, you know, one of the, one of the guys who about, does like, how about Sandy Metz? Yeah, Sandy. Okay. So I actually know Sandy. So Sandy Metz writes an article and she's like best, uh, you know, she basically writes a positive review about your course and she links people to it. You could basically set up a thing saying when, if somebody originally came from this refer, uh, you could make it. So there's like a testimonial front and center of Sandy about your course. And you could even, um, you know, offer something like a discount for people, who came from her site or something like that. So you can do all this on the fly without really needing to go and like redeploy anything or, or whatever else. Um, but the big thing that I've seen very good success with is when you have a consistent and, and like a, a set of referral sources that consistently drive traffic, that traffic you can assume is either of a certain type of person if they're reading that site and they have a degree of trust with the originating site. So if you can, take those two things into account, um, almost always you're going to get a lift in success, whatever that might mean for you. Mm-hmm. You know, Totally. The last thing would be sales page. So uh, I've had massive success, both for myself and others, and just doing stuff like if you're on a sales page, like with long-form sales copy or something like that, be able to change headlines based off of what you know about who's looking. Um, have they bought another product of yours? You could then make changes to the sales copy and relate this product to that product 
Um, you're able to do a lot of these kind of on the flyish things. And it doesn't need to be the fear people have is I'm going to need to write like 30 variations of the sales page. It doesn't need to be that. You can just swap out phrases. You can add, like change a headline. You can change out a testimonial slot. It doesn't need to be like 20 different or 30 different unique pages or anything like that. You could just have a single page that make there's slight tweaks depending on who's looking at it. Hmm. Do you have uh, facilities for A-B testing these changes so I can make sure that the things I'm now personalizing are actually helping conversion as opposed to potentially hurting yeah. them? Or so we, no yeah, we have throttling. Um, so you're able to say, like, let's have 80% of our traffic be personalized. Mm-hmm. And then you can see the lift on that versus cool. the control. Yeah. Nice. So there were two things that I want to call out in particular that I saw that I, that I thought were very smart that you're doing. Uh, and that I just picked up from Twitter. One is you found that a lot of the people you were talking to uh, about right message weren't quite ready for it, that they weren't quite sure what personalization was or how they could use it. And so you said, all right, no problem. I'm going to make a masterclass. I'm going to make a course on personalization. I, I, I just love that move. That was such like a nice like cut left. Here. Well, you know what it is? It's to be honest, um, the I, I have a very easy way of of convincing somebody on the merits of it. And that is, again, if you were selling, if I asked you right now to, to try to sell me on your Ruby course, you're going to sell me differently than you would to Sandy or to your mom, right? Like you're going to, you're going to describe it differently. So that's the premise and everyone, I mean, it's just the fact that for high touch offline sales, it's how it's always been done. Any good salesperson is going to listen and then take into account the way someone's acting what they know about this person and so on, and they're going to tailor their pitch to them. So th- there's nothing new about this, right? It's just been harder for more static monologue type mediums like a web page to do that. Uh, so that's that's been the the easy. The, it's easy to sell somebody on that to get somebody to convinced on like that that could be very very powerful when done right. The hard part though is it seems overwhelming. Like where do you start? What do you do? Um, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, you're right. That's why I started doing this course really is qualified lead gen for right message. And what we're putting into the course is basically how do you develop customer personas? And then how do you extract segments out of these personas? And then how do you determine the kind of language that these discrete segments need to hear, um, you know, based off of surveying and, and things like that. And then finally, how do you take all that and then start to personalize both maybe emails you send or your website or anything else based off that data. And then finally, how do you um, track? How do you, how do you gauge the effectiveness of it all? So yeah, what I'm doing is, I mean, it's obviously culminating in the shortcut to all this is right message. Uh, But I'm trying to equip people with just the know-how that, you know, I've learned over the last four or five years, four years, not five, four years on how to do a lot of this stuff. um, Just kind of, you know, on my own. Yeah. And you're charging for that course? I am. Yeah, it's 97. So it's not a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's enough to um, qualify and make a little side revenue. And yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, I feel like I've seen people go the other direction, which is where they're, they've, they have an info product where they're teaching people some sort of concept. And they're like, actually, you know, if I just made an app, I could make it even easier for people to have success. And then they make the app. And I just, the fact that you went backwards, just, it made a lot of sense to me. Well, I kind of did. I did have a, I had the course, the automation course uh, that that's had right. code in it, but yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. again, but that, that course, I mean, we sold 400 copies of that. It was pretty validated that yep. people wanted to learn this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. And I just I like that mentality, which is like, you know, it sure would be nice if there were a course that got people in a perfect state so that they would be a great right message customer that would understand the value and know how to use it. And it's like, well, why don't we just make that course? Well, the thing I think a lot of people forget is you need to really prepare somebody to be a customer. Um, not everyone is ready to buy. And that's not it's not their problem. It's not our problem. It's just that's just how it is. So that's why, you know, a good email course or good even even a paid course is meant to prepare somebody to, again, it's, I, I compare this to, you know, if somebody shows off, up off the train in like 1848 or whenever the gold rush was in California, right? And you just hand them like a bag full of like pickaxes and stuff. It's not going to help them if they don't know where to go and how to use these tools, right? So it's the same, same kind of thing. It would be like saying, uh, you know, my dad has a pretty, or he used to have back in more than the 90s, but a pretty successful uh you know, timeshare business that he had. If I was to sign him up, let's say back then to like an optimizely account and said, had at it, have at it. He'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> right. So it's the same kind of thing. Like you need to, you need to prepare somebody to know how to use it in order for them to be most effective with it. So we've been trying to do a lot in terms of education and, and really not just as a way to like force people into the only option is right message, but really just a, you know, how do you think about, because a lot of people, uh, when serving this, you know, we, we've put together an interest list. The majority of people segment off of customer or non-customer, and that's it. Very few people segment in any other way, and it's just because they don't know how. So what we're doing is trying to fix that. Because again, the better, the better, and the more data you have about somebody, the more able you are to use that data um, to make whatever it is you're doing more relevant to them. Right, and increase conversion rates. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that I saw that I, I nodded along with vigorously was um, the bookmarklet that Shy made you for injecting yeah. your JavaScript onto somebody's site to do a demo for them. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that's awesome. It's like don't even you don't even need to install this before I can show it off. It's like look, I'm I'm showing it off in my browser, and this is what it would would look like to you. Well, it's funny. I've kind of been. I don't want to say I'm I'm pitching my friends in the open, but I kind of am, where I'm like going to ConvertKit's site. And I'm like, hey, you get a lot of traffic from Pat Flynn. Um, imagine what would happen if your homepage was like the email app Pat Flynn trusts. Like, what do you think that would do, right? From traffic coming from his site. Um, so it's a way for, you know, I'm able to, in a way, test use cases of the product, but also make it public. I mean, it's actually really for outreach, which I haven't done yet. But say I was going to, um, I don't know, so something like Tim Ferriss or something. I could go and basically record a screencast of, this or better yet, ideally long term, be able to link him directly to it and say, go here and uh, there's, you know, let me know what you think kind of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's been really helpful. You know, we've had this attitude of really building in the open where we're just showing like work in progress stuff and results and all that kind of stuff. And it's really like I was thinking um, we have 700 ish people now on the early access list. And I was thinking, like, I haven't really done much promotion. My my main list of forty one thousand has never even been is heard er, about this. Is like early never... access people paying or people that are like very interested? No, in people just on the on the interest list. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but I haven't like I've never promoted this to my main audience. Um, but I've been doing a lot of building in the open, which is I was thinking last night. I'm like, where the hell did seven hundred people come from? But then I realized it's because I've been consistently. Um, not just holding up in shine iron, just here, like 
hacking away. We're actually exposing like what it is we're doing, getting feedback, jumping on calls and stuff. And it's really been helpful just from a messaging perspective for us, but also from really a results perspective and that we've been able to get to what I think is a pretty decent MRR from having uh, not even, there's no way to even sign up yet. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> can you can can you talk more for a second about the like the thirteen thousand dollar customer or whatever that like the, the person where you're doing it for them? Just talk a little bit more about that concept of like we do like a fully managed SaaS thing. Yeah, so they use Bounce Exchange currently, and they which were, is a I mean landing page provider. Well, no, it's more of a uh, imagine you have a team of people who are really good at copywriting using Optin Monster on your behalf. It's basically okay. them. Okay, they charge you know fifteen grand a month for that. What's an, so, uh, what was Optin Monster? Optin, like a little exit pop. Have you seen the whole like um, big pop up? Uh, I want to lose weight or no, I like I want to die of obesity. I love like, being fat. One. I'm a such a yeah, loser. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's them. Uh, so. <laughs> Great. <laughs> love that. Them. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently it works really well. Yeah. So, okay. um, you know, it was it was interesting. I was giving this demo and he was he complete. He's an Internet marketer turned selling supplements online, right? It was very well. And I was giving the demo and he basically cut me off and saying like, what, what's your, what's your like end goal with this? I was like, this is a weird chain twist to an, a product demo. Um, and he was basically saying like, look, I, he went into how he uses optimize or optim, not optimizer balance exchange. And was basically saying, you know, they came to me and they said, pay us 15 grand a month. We will uh, get on a quick call with you every Friday detailing exactly what net effect we've had on overall conversions as a result of what we did this week. Um, there's no there's no product. Like apparently they have some backing product, but for the most part, the end customer doesn't see any, like there's no app for them, right? Um, it's basically like a productized consulting gig if you think about it. But what he was saying is like, look, if I needed to get people in here to do this, I would need to hire probably at least two people it's going to be well over the 15k anyway that I'm paying these people. Um, they've got a guarantee in place where you can just can't get refunded for the last month. Um, so you know you can't do that with employees. Uh, and that was the argument: is look, there's a level of people who do not want to go through the masterclass course I'm doing. Who do not? They are running a business and they have more important things to do. And I mean, in terms of like revenue growth, we're looking at it. You know, I was talking to my friend Brian Harris. And he was talking about Elon Musk and how the whole Tesla strategy was to go after the premium market first and then go down, right? So start with like the really, basically the, the people who have the product in place or the, the business in place that could, they could benefit greatly from this. They will pay a lot of money for this. They will fund the R&D of the product, which then you can go down market from there. And basically anytime you try to do the opposite where you start on the cheap end, and then try to go up to the high end. It's a really hard, hard to do that versus going down market. Apparently, yeah. So, do, do you see yourself taking a lot of clients like this, and that kind of being the medium term play, or do you eventually see like trying to encourage other people to do things like resell right message as a service? Well, that's the that's the question, right? So we've you know there was this big kind of dilemma of well, do we go for the self serve or do we go for the I think Patrick McKenzie coined the software as a service as a service market, right? Where we have we have a product, and maybe we could, I mean we're at the we're at the point where we're thinking we're going to cater to both. Um, maybe not indefinitely, but 
honestly, getting, I mean, it's a lot easier to get uh, one, say, $15,000 a month account than it is to get whatever that would be, $150, $100 a month accounts or whatever whatever the math works out to be, right? We're probably going to aim for both. Um, what we might do, though, is we're probably going to have, because a lot of the, actually, the early customers we have are all pretty much at or above four figures a month. So they tend to be bigger clients. Meaning what that, you're charging them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what we're charging them. Mm-hmm. So again, we have, we're going kind of really up market to people who have solid lead values, solid customer values, and so on. And they can just come in and plug this in and get results. Um, it's really hard when you've got somebody who has like 50 people hitting their site a month. To, like They're not going to pay it and they don't actually know valuations, numbers, and everything else. So... Um, we're probably going to stay up market for a while. What we thought about doing, especially since I haven't really tapped into my core audience out of freelancers and consultants is how do we get like, you know, Jane web designer to upsell this to her clients. So she's doing a, a website for them, but also, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if, you know, on top of that as a, you know, this is my competitive advantage. I can make you a personal website or personalized website. And then, um, they're basically reselling right message that's the that's a goal too so i don't know i mean it's way too early to tell but we might part of this masterclass could turn into a some sort of like lead jenny certification program like lead pages has right where they've got drip certified consultants and they get people who join drip who are really really doing well they have huge lists and they're like i don't have time to figure this stuff out at all i just want somebody to do it for me so that's kind of the caliber of the client we've been getting so far but um I could see it uh, us as being more of a matchmaker instead of a in-betweener, if that makes sense. Like instead of we're just we have people in this trusted database. And again, this is way far out um, if we ever get there. But I could see us being more of a matchmaker versus trying to just say you come, you pay us and then we pay the consultants or something like that. Or we have in-house people who do that. So, again, I, I don't really know, to be honest, which which path will go. Gotcha. So, so are the majority of people now doing it themselves? Are they self-serve or are the majority the, the, the fully managed? They're, they're all big accounts. Again, most of them are over four figures yep. and um, they're basically self-serve. Gotcha. Cool. But part of what we're doing early on is saying like the first handful of customers basically get um, consultative access to me. So if you want help on like advice, and it's in my best interest to do that, right? Like I want, if they're paying, I mean, they're paying us, we have, we have one guy who we signed who his traffic's uh, seasonal and right now he's paying uh, three thousand a month, but he's getting half off since he's in the early program. Um, three thousand a month because he's getting three hundred thousand uniques a month, but he scales up to a million uniques a month. So it'll be so. I mean, like, yeah, I will. I want to help people who are going to be paying us up to ten thousand a month, especially if they're not looking for white glove service. Um, it's in my interest to like. I mean, that's and that's where like you know when I was I was in Nashville a few days ago talking to friends of mine like brian harris and others and they were all like dude like with the customer value you've got like the valuation per customer like you keep this up like a year from now you're gonna need you can get a solid sales team because the you know you could just have a ridiculous commission off 120k a year account type thing right so yeah i mean there's this is the differences with plan scope i was going after people paying 20 a month and it was really hard like support was overwhelming it's you know getting to go back to Patrick. He's always talking about how the cheapest customers are the worst, right? So we've we've it's, it's been really refreshing seeing these people who see the value in the product, 
see how this could directly and immediately benefit their existing business, are willing to pay a lot for it, do pay a lot for it, and are pretty hands-off. Yeah. So So you tweeted a little while ago that you crossed a milestone where uh, your double, your freelancing business is just crossed 100K a month, basically fully hands-off from you. Yes. Yep. So uh, I'm curious, actually, about this. This feels very exciting. And I'm wondering, are, are you excited by the future money prospects of this? Or is there something else? That's- no, I'm more, I'm covered financially fine with DYF. For me, this is like, DYF always had a cap, I think, on, on like what it could do. And I'm not looking to take over the world or anything with any of these things. But I guess what I mean is DYF always had, it was always an info product business. And I wanted to get back into software. I really missed the engineering side of things and really missed like everything on DYF is one off revenue. I mean, we were consistently getting about like, you know, basically about a hundred grand in revenue monthly, but that's all one off. So I really like the idea and the scalability of having a business like this with high account values with companies that are um, very, you know, these are solid, legitimate companies within staff who are looking at us as a multiplier. Whereas DYF, you're still going to deal with, and I don't mind doing it, I, I like it, but people who are having existential crises about like, should I be a freelancer, or go back to full-time employment? And again, I like that, but I, I really like this. Totally. Yeah. So how do you, you, you mentioned you missed the engineering side. Are you writing code on this project? I did last night, but I'm trying to really stay out of it. Okay. So, <laughs> so you're shy as your co-founder? Yes. So he's doing all the development work. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So you're more on the marketing demo sales side. Then? I'm on doing demos all day, sales, uh, copy stuff. I'm doing the marketing site. I guess I don't think that's code, but yeah, I'm <laughs> doing that. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I, I did go on because I am doing a lot of demos. I'm seeing like things we need to tweak. And it's usually I'm not doing big architectural coding, mm-hmm. but I'm going in and changing like CSS and stuff. Mm. Um but yeah. How do you two know each other? Uh, he was a customer of mine, long-term customer. And uh, what I, I think he, he went to my conference in Sweden last year, got to know each other there. He went to my one in the U.S. this year again. We stayed in touch. He actually did a lot of, he helped me a lot with uh, this academy product I had with WR Freelancing. And he helped with just, I just remember I was like, I, we were doing these daily office hours with Google Hangouts. And I wanted a way to see like how many people were currently active. And five minutes later, he had written some script that did that. Like how many people were actually connected to a Google Hangout. And I had no idea how he did it or whatever. But I can, I mean, it's it's very obvious when, um, when uh, I think it's a good dynamic because I'm more of the like, let's just jump in and break things. And you look at like the code he's written and it's just like, like it's the way it should be. But immediately right so very different styles and again i i haven't been a quote-unquote professional coder in years um so i've i don't know i think that i think it's definitely affected my ability to do a lot of things actually the other week i jumped into react and before that all i knew was like you have a web page and you include a line you include a javascript file and now i'm seeing like webpack and like all this like build tools and this and that and like you know, babble and, all, and like all of this is new to me. Right. So I've definitely been out of, uh, I think actually, weren't you at backbone conference, uh, backbone JS conference years ago in no. Boston? Well, okay, I thought I, I, I don't s- think so. No. Okay. Well, that was back when I was doing PlanScope, right? So it was a backbone app and that was like, 
the last time I learned anything new. And yeah. um, so, you know, my my knowledge as a developer has kind of been static for the last four or five years. Gotcha. So, yeah. You mentioned building in the open is one thing. Do you, any like big noticeable differences for you between how you're developing your new product and PlanScope, the last SaaS that you worked on? Yeah. So, you know, I've been trying to think of like, what are the differences? Um, one thing has been, I'm very, very not afraid to email people. Um, so people in my interest in I'm just showing off like what we're doing, getting feedback, um, getting conversations going. Whereas before I was just very much like build in the dark and push it out and then, you know, something like that. So that's surprising because you, you're such a teacher. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, but that. this was PlanScope. When I was doing PlanScope, I wasn't. Oh, really? That, that predated. That predated. DYF, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that's been one thing. The other thing was I really, and this was the engineer in me who was sick of consulting and wanted to start a SaaS with PlanScope. I really resisted anything high touch. And now I don't even, there's no, like I said, there's no way to even sign up without getting on the phone with me. And I actually learned that from my um, friend, Andrew Culver, who, you know, he did Churnbuster. And I remember when I signed up for Churnbuster, he basically called me on Skype and said, share your screen, go here and walk me through you setting it up. So he was able to watch me like get confused about certain parts of the app and stuff and let me be in the driver's seat about that. Right. And that was so huge and so now i'm i'm really like i haven't even thought about onboarding because i haven't onboarded enough customers yet right so i'm waiting to get i'm i'm recording everything every call i do every setup it's all being recorded um i'm actually going to pipe it all into rev for transcription so i can start to look at like common things that people are saying and stuff which will then just get fed back into um, by either the onboarding or the sales copy itself um and i'm just doing a lot of that like i'm really realizing the power of and i've been i've been seeing this even with dyf like anything i knew i ever did was always sold first over email or over skype and then when i had enough data i would then bake it into a sales page uh so and that i think is part of where maybe a lot of this stuff has come from because when selling a certain product over email i'm gonna modify like i might have a template pitch but i'm always gonna tweak stuff with it right so, um, but then once you put it on live on a sales page, I stopped doing that. So that's, I think what got me to start thinking like, well, what if we could partially get that done? Right. Mm. Um, on a traditional web page. Very cool. Well, yeah. we're, we're hitting about time, uh, but it's been awesome talking to you and congrats on the success. This is pretty amazing and it's, it's fun to watch, honestly. Yeah. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm really, I'm actually very floored about how well it's doing, uh, knocking on wood here, but you know, I mean, it's it's definitely seemed like like uh, I'm not very big on the whole like idea thing. Right. Like, oh, I've got this great idea or whatever. But I mean, the 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 revenue has matched the verbal feedback people are giving me. So no one's been like, oh, this is a great idea. And then I asked them to buy and they're like, oh, yeah, no, I've been saying they've been saying this is a great idea. And then I asked them to buy and they pay immediately. So in my mind, I'm think we're on to something cool well i hope it continues <laughs> and i hope you keep doing it in the open so we can watch and see what's going on I will. yeah everything we'll probably be putting it up um we might have an issue to, we want to go on the uh bare metrics open startups uh thing because actually bare metrics is mm, nice coming on board in a few weeks uh as a customer of ours um but the issue is everything is metered billing mm. so i don't know how that would work with their <laughs> revenue stuff so yeah, yeah. Cool. i need to ask josh he's on a retreat though so 
Gotcha. Cool. Well, that'd be awesome to get the full stats. That'd be really interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so if people are interested in write message, they should go to writemessage.io and fill it in. That's it. Yeah. Cool. And then come back in an incognito browser and do something different and screw with your analytics. And Yeah. Actually, if you want to, um, we could even try our, uh, writemessage.io slash art of product. And then that will segment you as being a listener of this podcast. Mm. And then you will see Perfect. stuff, choice pull quotes from Ben. There you go. <laughs> Scattered you're, throughout the sales copy. <laughs> you're committing to doing that now. Do you want to you leave that in there? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, depending on, unless you're getting it up in an hour or two. No, no, I'll, no. I'll get it up. Okay, cool. So write message.io slash art of product and you can see the things in action. And then you can just exactly, go to the, yeah. the root site and see what's actually changed from the, from the basic one. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, well, thanks for coming on, Brendan. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. All right. Take care. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to artofproduct.com and we'll see you next time.